Welcome to War Docs, the military medicine podcast. Our mission is to preserve the oral history of military medicine told from the perspective of the healthcare heroes that lived it. Find out more and join Team War Docs at wardocspodcast.com. In this special War Doc series called Military Medicine Mentorship Moments, we have partnered with AMSIS, the Society of Federal Health Professionals, to bring you insights and advice about different aspects of mentorship from senior experienced military medical leaders. I'm your host, retired Army urologist Doug Soderdahl. Our featured military medical mentor is retired Army Major General David Rubenstein, the 16th Chief of the Medical Service Corps and former Army Deputy Surgeon General. He is Chairman Emeritus of AMSIS. You can read his full bio on wardoxpodcast.com. Sir, thanks for joining us. It's an honor, Doug. Thank you very much. On this episode, we're going to be focusing a little bit on what happens during a structured mentorship relationship. And I want to start with a question. How does a mentoring relationship begin? I'm going to answer that with a good old-fashioned Army Bayer MHA answer. It depends. A mentor relationship begins uh, in one of a variety of different ways. And, and we as mentors and those who be mentor ought not be um, put off by either one way or another. Um, this all began about 3,000 years ago when uh, Odysseus goes off to fight for Trojan Wars and leaves his son Telemachus under the care of a fellow by the name of Mentor, who becomes Telemachus's guardian, his advisor, and his teacher. We, we can start a mentor relationship through a formal program. My professional society, the American College of Healthcare Executives, has a formal program where mentors sign up, prospective mentors sign up, prospective mentees sign up, and they get matched. There are local mentoring programs that are in place that defined, once again, ACHE, the local chapter in South Texas has a mentoring program. But it could also be something as simple as a younger person looking for a more experienced person and reaching out and asking for a conversation. The way these start can, are multivariate and it works differently to different people. One thing I've heard a lot about is the importance of having a personal vision statement. Is that really important at the start of a mentoring relationship? It is not important. I go around the States and indeed overseas and I speak about personal mission, vision, values, using combat medic stories to accentuate those. At the start of a mentoring relationship, it's not necessary that the, the mentee have a fine personal vision. I, I would like to think that that's already been done, but it's not critical. What I think is important is that the, the mentor in his or her mind and the mentee in their mind have an understanding or a sense of what their vision for the relationship is, what each wants to get out. I had a a young captain come see me in um, 1994. I was commanding the 18th MASH. We were out in the field on an exercise. He, he uh, comes up to the headquarters. He was a, a, the aide for the, the CG of Madigan Army Medical Center. And he says, my boss says, I need to talk to you. And I said, what about? He says, well, I have questions about my career. My boss is a doc and he doesn't have any idea about an MSC career. And I started by saying, well, what do you, you want of me? And he laid out basically a vision statement. I'd like to sit and talk with you and talk about career as it relates to a young captain. And so um, that's what we did. So a personal vision statement, not necessary right away. An idea of your vision for the relationship is important. And if it's not there at the first meeting, certainly by the end of that meeting, a big mentor will have already asked, 
what do you want out of this relationship? So after this relationship starts, is there a defined end to a structured mentorship relationship? Doesn't have to be. It depends. The young captain I described to you from 1994, he went on and had a wonderful career, tiring as a colonel. We only saw each other a couple of times after that and never in a mentoring relationship. Our mentoring relationship lasted for an hour and a half in my headquarters tent out in the field. Other relationships last much longer. What I do want prospective mentors to understand is that this relationship does not have to be a lifelong career relationship like mentor had with Telemachus. It can be as short as an hour and a half. It might last for a year or longer. I have had mentor relationships that are ongoing, not as protégés, not making another Rubenstein, but as mentees. And there is a distinct difference between those two terms. I've had relationships that exist to this day, even though I'm in retirement from the Army and they're still on active duty. So it depends. It could be an hour and a half. It could be a life. It could be somewhere in between. So you mentioned mentee and protege. Can you expand a little bit on the difference between those two? In my observation, I see potential wonderful mentors not wanting to take the plunge because they think about the term protege to that young person. A protege is someone who you teach, coach, advise, but you serve as a guardian. You, you are bringing this person along. You're protecting that person. You're bringing them into the right assignments or causing the right assignments to happen. And if we're talking military folks or the right jobs, right next job, that's not the relationship with a mentee. A mentee is someone you can advise and teach, but it's, it's not someone who you bring along as a, as a mini you. Protege has the connotation of writing coattails, fairly accurate connotation in my mind. Mentee is someone you're advising along the way and, and not pushing into specific jobs or specific assignments and serving as the, the mother handover, if that makes any sense between protege and, and mentee. What I would like potential mentors to understand is that does not have to be a lifelong relationship. So during COVID, we've been meeting a lot virtually. Is it important for a mentee and a mentor to meet in person or can it be done entirely virtually via Zoom or phone or email? It can be done virtually and done very, very well. I have a mentee who has just left Korea. Well, for a year in Korea, it was all Zoom. Every second or third Saturday night, my time, Sunday morning, his time we met. I have had, um, during the past two years, I've had two mentees in Germany, got mentees today on the East Coast and the West Coast. Then we meet, we meet virtually and it works very, very well. I think it would work less well if we were talking about a protege relationship, but virtually works very well for a mentee relationship. How and who sets the agenda for a meeting? Who sets the agenda ideally is the mentee who would say, um, let's meet on this date and here is what I would like to talk about. Now, early in the relationship, it may be the mentor who needs to guide the mentee into an agenda building situation. But as the mentor and the mentee spend time together, the mentee is going to develop more confidence in setting the agenda. The young soldier in Korea with whom I mentored for a year, we rarely had an agenda. It was a matter of his Sunday morning, my Saturday night, we'd link up on Zoom and we'd just start talking. It was that kind of a relationship. On the other hand, 
I have a mentee on the East Coast who's having a very, very specific union issue and has written me and said, let's find a time to talk. I'm um, working, I'm, I'm responsible now for building a collective bargaining agreement, advising the current CBA. And I sure could use your help in thinking through this. And we talked about a very specific agenda item. And so to the extent that the mentee can set the agenda, I believe there'll be a better relationship. But it doesn't have to be that way if the mentee needs some help setting the agenda or they just want to have an agendaless conversation. Those are okay too. Are there any important topics that you really should cover in a mentorship relationship? This goes back to your earlier question, Doug, about vision statement. And my answer about a vision statement should be not only personal mission statement, but a mentorship vision statement. It depends on what the mentee is looking for and what the mentor is able to provide. It could be topics ranging from the career to the personal. I'm talking with a, an army colonel right now who's facing a decision and interestingly enough, in the last two years, this is the second colonel I've had this conversation with in a mentoring relationship. A decision about the geographical bachelor as a colonel, as a spouse who's got a career. And so is it time to retire from the army? Is it time to uh, be a geographical bachelor? So it can range from a, a career discussion topic to a personal life topic. It can be uh, broad-based topics, just whatever is interesting in the day. Or it can be like the mentee I have on the East Coast who, with whom I'm talking about collective bargaining agreements. The Army is going to Project Athena. Project Athena is a self-development program. And soldiers are going to be facing some uh, hard results about their personal skills and abilities and behaviors. And so a topic could include, how do I improve my communication skills? How do I improve my ability to communicate either in writing or in, in oral presentations? There could be an ethical dilemma that pops up. And the mentee would like to have someone to, with whom to talk to who is going to keep the conversation confidential. And that's critically important. Uh, and yet solicit some input onto uh, an ethical situation that's, that's happening. So it, once again, it's the mentee establishing what he or she would like to talk on at each meeting. Um, and it could range from the very personal to the very career development to the very specific assignment or job. Now, do you ever use templates or use resources that help you cover a topic? And are those available for mentors who maybe want to have some structure, but they don't want to have to invent it themselves? There, there's two directions my answer will go. And people who know me, I'll get frustrated because my answers will go in multiple directions. One is as far as resources. If the mentee can provide an agenda item or a specific topic, that helps me go out and if I don't have a, all the answers myself, and I rarely do, I can go out and do some studying on my own before we have the conversation. And I can mix my personal opinions with what I might have found that would be of help. And so the mentee establishing an agenda is very helpful in that regard. And you've got the source in front of you on the computer. I mean, if the person wants to talk about collective bargaining agreements, I would go online if I needed to and research and, and get additional information to, uh, to add to my personal experiences in, in developing collective bargaining using a prior example. Also, different direction, 
as far as templates related to notes. I, I do take notes in all my conversations because I have a short memory. What I tell my mentee each and every time, every time we gather, not just the first time, but every time we have a good discussion, I say, you will see me taking notes. That's because of my bad memory. Please remember, this conversation is absolutely confidential. And I tell every mentee the same story that I, as a young major, carry the briefcase for a one star, a colonel came in and said, I've got something I need to tell you, but don't tell the general. And he told me what he wanted to tell me. That was on a Thursday. The following Tuesday, he comes in and he says, how come the general hasn't talked to me about this? And I said, well, you told me it's confidential. He said, well, I expected you to talk to your general anyway. I take notes. I need to take notes to refer to uh, next time we visit. But uh, I also caution the person to, uh, when they see me taking notes, to not be concerned. That's only for my personal memories and our conversations are 100% confidential. So looking back at your experience, who was your most influential mentor and why? I have no single influential mentor. And I'll tell you the why. I have flitted like a butterfly from flower to flower, gathering insight from this person and from that person. And every time I did that, it was, it was a mentoring relationship and that was a mentor. It could have been an OER evaluation a counseling session. It could have been um, footlocker counseling. It could have been um, a, a butt chewing that I deserved. It could have been a conversation with a civilian colleague. I, I've not had anyone. And that's because I've never been in a mentor protege relationship, number one. And number two, uh, I've not stuck to just one single mentor. I've believed in gathering a lot of insight from a lot of people. That's how I personally think I was able to make better career decisions, uh, or at least decisions that were better for me. And so I can't answer that question. Who was my best mentor? How about this one? As you went from flower to flower, what was the best piece of advice that you ever got from a mentor? Uh, that one I can't answer. I was a captain leading the 82nd Airborne Division, heading to the Officer Advanced Course. In those days, today we call it the Captain's Career Course. In my day, it was a six-month PCS. And I had been told by any number of people that I was going to stay at Fort Sam Houston after the Officer Advanced Course and serve as an instructor in the faculty. And I was going to do so in what today we call the um, leader training center. In those days, uh, it was the uh, military science division. There are four branches and I was interested in two. And we received a new, uh, a major just arrived in our battalion at Fort Bragg who came from there, who came from military science division. And I said, which one do I do? And he said, you like ice cream? I said, I do like ice cream. He said, you like vanilla or you like chocolate? I said, well, I like them both. He said, then doesn't matter if you get vanilla or chocolate. I said, it doesn't. And he said, well, it ought not matter which of those two branches you go to work in, general subjects branch or military field medical support branch, because they're like ice cream. The lesson I got from that was to look at both sides of every opportunity. Even though it seems like it's a silly little story about ice cream, it served me well for many years after that when I had uh, to make a career decision. Do I go this direction or do I go that direction? And what I learned was, A, maybe it doesn't matter, but B, it's important to think through the decision because it could matter. And as it turns out, that particular assignment, it doesn't really matter. So is there something that you know now that you wish you knew when you were just starting your career? Back when I started my career, we didn't have a clue what mentoring was as we discuss mentoring today. 
And so what I wish I had known then, and what I wish more people knew today is that this is not a scary proposition. This is not a scary proposition that requires additional trainees or additional insight, additional preparation. What I wish I had known now and what I tell people now is that this is two people having a conversation, one more senior and experienced than the other. And in that conversation, one is asking questions, the other is providing insight. That's what I wish I had known back when I was in lieutenant and a captain and a major, what I know now. So we may have some folks that are at the beginning of their career in federal healthcare positions. What practical advice would you give them for what they do next? What could they do tomorrow if they're interested in a mentorship relationship? What I would have people do tomorrow is to first go online and choose several, not just one, but several articles about mentoring and get a sense of what it's all about. Go to the professional societies, whether it's an an ABM, American Board of Medical Specialties College, depending on the the specialty of our positions, or the the more general management specialties uh, societies, or like American College of Healthcare Executives, and read up on mentoring and what it means and get a sense and flavor for how this works. And then, depending on resources that are available to you, to initiate a mentoring relationship. And file. By resources available, what I mean is, do you belong to a professional society that hosts a mentoring relationship marrying up program uh, where potential mentors and potential mentees sign up and are linked either nationally or, or, uh, or local? But if you don't have that available to you, get into the mentoring role by knocking on someone's door, whether that's a virtual door or a um, physical door, and say, I have a question about my career. I'm trying to make some decisions. You think you can support 30 minutes on your schedule. 30 minutes is important. People get a little nervous when you're talking about locking off an hour. Do you have 30 minutes that I can come and ask you a few questions about uh, my career development? I would be shocked. The answer would be no. So even if the resources available to a mentee are not such that they can sign up for a formal program, have the guts to knock on the door virtually or physically and ask to start now. It may last for 30 minutes. It may last for an hour and never happen again. You might find a connection and it may last for much longer. So for our listeners, what would you say is your main takeaway message? What do you want them to walk away with after listening to this? As a young brigadier, I was in a small group talking with the chief staff of the army. And he said, you young brigadiers have got to speak for the army. If you don't speak for the army, people who are not qualified to do so will speak for the army. My main takeaway is to mentors. If you want a hand in developing the next generation of healthcare leaders, of members of any of our eight army medical department course or the army in a larger sense, the way you do that is by mentoring a younger person and getting them set on their career. If we potential mentors don't take mentoring to heart, then we have no way to influence the future of our young men. For potential mentees, I would say that there's a lot to be learned by just having a conversation with someone who's been there and done that. Doesn't mean you have to do what they tell you to do. I never tell people, by the way, I never tell people what to do. 
I ask questions and ask questions and ask questions until they arrive at their personal answer. And so mentors take ownership, mentees start the process. We've been speaking with retired Army Major General David Rubenstein. Sir, thanks again for sharing your mentorship insights with us on Wardock's Military Medical Mentorship Moments. And thank you for your incredible service to this nation. Doug, it's been my extreme honor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of our special Wardock series, Military Medical Mentorship Moments, in partnership with AMSIS, the Society of Federal Health Professionals. We invite you to follow and subscribe to our show on whatever platform you consume your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please rate and review this podcast and share our show with your contacts on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find out more information about our show and our guests and how to become a member of Team Wardocs on our website, wardocspodcast.com. That's wardocspodcast, one word, dot com. Thanks so much for your support. If you like war stories and medical drama, Wardocs has you covered. Spread the word.